What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. It's good to be with you. Thank you for those that uh, are subscribers and you are longtime listeners. I appreciate you tuning in each each week. Uh, and for those of you that's your first time, welcome. Glad to have you. Dad Tired is a nonprofit ministry committed to providing resources to men, husbands, and dads that are just trying their best to be the husbands and dads that God has called them to be. Um, we're a bunch of broken, messed up people, but we're really serious about um, following Jesus. And uh, so Dad Tired, uh, kind of the heartbeat of what we do, we are not focused on behavior modification or sin management. We're not trying to get you to behave better. We're just simply trying to point you towards Jesus. And we believe that when you encounter Jesus, when all of us encounter Jesus, our hearts are changed and heart change lasts a lot longer than behavior uh, modification does. And so uh, we're never going to really tell you what to do more than we're going to point you to Jesus, remind you of who Jesus is and the gospel, and trust that the Holy Spirit can actually change your heart in such a way that you would want to be a better husband and a better dad and a better man, um, or just a God-fearing man, a more humble man. So uh, glad to have you welcome if you are new with us. If you've been around for a while, you've heard me say uh, multiple times, probably to the point where it becomes annoying, um, I, I talk a lot about the authenticity and kind of the rawness and um, vulnerability, um, how important that is in, in to being a Christian man and, and that we all have junk, we all have sin, we all have stuff that we're wrestling through and that there's really no need to hide it because we can kind of rejoice um, with joy in, in the grace and of Jesus Christ. We don't have to like hide in our shame anymore because Jesus's grace is good. And so we can, um, we can talk about our crap and we can talk about it openly and not be ashamed about it because it points to, and it allows us to brag on the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. I always say that you never fully understand how amazing grace is until you recognize how fully broken you are. When you start to tap into how broken you are, then you start to understand how amazing Jesus's grace is. Uh, We are wicked sinners and God's grace is radical. Um, And so I talk about that a lot. I've shared a lot of my own junk and, and garbage on this podcast, and I try to be really vulnerable and honest with you guys in hopes that I would create a culture where we can um, start to model that and do that freely among each other. And I think that's happening. Like if you go to the Dad Tired Facebook group, you'll see a lot of humble men on there who are admitting how they're falling short, but that they're not, they haven't stopped running the race. Uh, and so even though they fall down and they mess up and they sin and they, uh, they're jacked up and they're just like not doing very well, they're open and humble enough to say that I, I want to be sustained by God's grace and I'm not going to quit running. Um, so I talk about that a ton. And part of the reason that I talk about that a ton and I beat that drum over and over and over again is because um, we have created a culture within our churches that have become, it's become very, very polished. And we did this like unintentionally and kind of subconsciously. I think when a lot of churches that we attend were being built, what we did was we started to attend churches. If you were part of the early days of that particular church, maybe you got together with a smaller group of people. 
and said, hey, you know, let's just get together and talk about Jesus and do community together. And as the church grew, as it became um, bigger in numbers, typically what happens, again, this isn't uh, for, you know, this isn't true for every church, but this is true for a lot of churches, especially in America, is uh, as the church gets bigger, then what what happens is we say, uh, hey, maybe we can collect our money and we can build like a building and we can start to uh, have a nice building where we can gather and worship in, and 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 in good intentions, you think uh, we'll invite other people to come join us. And so, what you do is you buy the nicest chairs and some good carpet and a good sound system and uh, some signs that look cool, and you start to build this building or this place that looks really nice because you just want it to be a a, a comfortable place. And a lot of times, that's those decisions are made through the lens of this will be a welcoming and warm and nice place to bring your friends and to bring your guests. But what happens is when you build such a pub, uh, polished place, um, th- people start to kind of elevate themselves or, or try to match up to the cleanliness of the building. And I know that seems kind of weird and maybe you've never even thought of it that way. But uh, to give you an example of how this works, like I'm a pretty laid back dude. I'm a normal dude. Uh, I'm, I don't I don't come from a lot of money. I grew up poor and uh, still would consider myself kind of middle class, lower middle class. Like I, uh, you know, I, I'm just a normal dude, right? Uh, I took my wife on a honeymoon, on our honeymoon to Hawaii. And there's the nicest hotel that I know about in Maui. It's called the Grand Wailea. It's where Oprah stays when she goes there to Maui to kind of give you a reference of how nice this place is and how much it costs. It's a ridiculous amount of money to stay there per night. But I I known about this place. And so I really wanted to take Layla there to show her how nice this hotel was and just like walk around um, the building and kind of you know, just show her how amazing this place was. I had been there before. She had never been there. And so as we pulled into the parking lot, I told her, I was like, babe, you know, that, you know, try to act like, don't act like we're some poor, like kids trying to stroll around in this hotel, act like we belong. And so we get there and, uh, kind of funny story, literally, as soon as we walk into the lobby, we're holding coffees, Layla slips, like her flip-flop breaks, (laughs) and she slips and literally just eats it, and at the same time, just throws her coffee, like, as she's falling, and just makes the biggest scene, like, we were, my whole goal was to blend in, and that's the last thing she did was blend in, like, staff had to come over and help her up, I mean, I helped her up, obviously, I'm, like, a Christian dude, right, I helped her up, obviously, Um, but the you know, staff's trying to like, uh, wipe down the, uh, the nice tile that she just spilled this coffee all over. And we're trying to like fix her flip flop and all that stuff. Anyway, it was, it was a mess. But the whole point of the story is when you walk into somewhere really nice, you feel like you need to like match up to that niceness so that you belong. And this is really what happens in church. I've worked in a a few different churches in my 12 years of ministry, some of them very nice places. And, uh, and it's just true that if there's a nice building uh, and things are super organized and polished and the staff looks good and everyone's wearing their nice clothes to church uh, and everything's really clean, then what happens is subconsciously, nobody's intentionally doing this. Trust me, nobody's intentionally doing this. But what happens is you start to think, ah, I better get my stuff together so that I can match 
the environment that I'm in. Again, this is really subconscious stuff. Nobody's blatantly preaching that message. I don't even think anybody has the intention of coming across that way, but it happens. It's just the sociology of what's happening is uh, in a nice place, we try to make ourselves look nice. And so church, um, and, it, and it, trust me, it's not just the building that's contributing to this mindset, but that's, a, that's a definitely one factor one of many factors. But what happens is in the church, we try to present ourselves as nice. We do this in all kinds of different ways. It's not just the church building. It's our social media accounts. Um, But all of these things, all of these like social um, factors come into play as Christians when we show up. And what happens is very rarely do you have Christian circles or environments or communities of people who are sharing authentic junk. Another problem that we have is that people say, um, you know, that there's this subconscious mindset that when we come to know Christ, that somehow our life should be getting better and a little bit more clean and we should sin less. And so if you've been a Christian for a while and you're still dealing with the same junk that you dealt with before you came to know Christ, there's some shame involved and you feel like, well, I can't share this. I'm, I've been a Christian a long time. And I know for a fact, many of you can relate to what I'm saying. And you feel like I, I kind of have to put my stuff together because everybody else seems to have their stuff together, or at least that's the game that we all play. And so um, I have always been really passionate about sharing. Uh, I, God has called me to lead the church uh, and to be a leader in the church, to point his people towards him. And so with that role of influence, I've always been passionate about, about me personal, personally being vulnerable so that other people can feel that same freedom to also be vulnerable. And so I've shared over and over and over again how broken and messed up and jacked up I am in hopes that people will feel the freedom to also share their crap and feel like they can also rest in the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, all that to say, um, what I don't want to happen with me sharing about this stuff over and over and over again is that we get in this mindset that we're just kind of wretched sinners uh, and that... And we come, we become so comfortable, um, kind of meditating on our junk and brokenness that we never move past that. And what I'm not saying is that you, when I say never move past that, it means that you get more perfect. What I am saying though is that we can, we don't have to um, stay stuck in our brokenness and to to kind of wallow around in our shame or wall around in our sin. Like we can, we cannot just experience the, the, the joy of God's grace, but also the freedom of God's grace. Um, let me remind you of something in scripture. Scripture is filled with guys and gals who were broken, messy people, right? And this is why I always come back to this. Like, listen, everyone's messed up. Everyone's jacked up. Everyone's full of sin. So no need to hide it. But listen, the Bible's full of broken, messy people who were used by God to do incredible things for his kingdom and glory. They weren't just broken people who understood that they were broken and kind of sat in their living room for the rest of their lives, um, recognizing their brokenness. They were people who recognized their brokenness, were humbled by God, had the humility to say, I'm broken and I need Jesus, and then were used in incredible ways by God. A few examples, Noah got drunk, 
right? Noah, who we think of, who the Bible describes as the one righteous among a world who was not righteous. God couldn't find any other like righteous people except, the Bible says, Noah. There's one. This dude got drunk, right? Abraham, like the grandfather of Christianity, had a lying problem. He continually lied, especially about his wife. Jacob was a deceiver. Moses was a murderer. Samson had a serious problem with lust and with anger. David, who God says is a man after my own heart, he shares my heart, God said. We, our heartbeat is the same. Like, obviously not literally. The things that we're passionate about are the same. He is a man after my own heart. Uh, David, he was an adulterer and a murderer. Paul was a murderer of Christians. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who the majority of the New Testament is written by, was a persecutor and murderer of Christians. Peter, the disciple who Jesus said, you, Peter, you, it's, on, it's on your stance, that uh, it's on your belief, it's on people like you, Peter, that the church will be built. Uh, Peter, the rock... Um, or, you know, there's some theological stuff that that's why I'm kind of tripping over my words there. But Peter, you know, a, a faithful disciple of Jesus denied Jesus that he even knew him three times. This, the, the Bible is filled with broken, messy, jacked up people, but people who were used by God, Noah saved or was used by God to continue the human race. Uh, Abraham was the grandfather used by God to, to, to be, <coughs> excuse me, the, the, the grandfather of the Christian faith, of the followers of Jesus. Moses led God's people out of Egypt. Um, thousand, tens of thousands of people he was used by God to lead. Uh, you know, Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. The point is that God does not want us to stay in the point, in the situation where we feel like we have to sit and wallow in our brokenness. But I believe, and what I'm, my, the point of my podcast today um, is to encourage you to start dreaming about how could God use you as a broken, humble, jacked up dude to do amazing things for his kingdom and for his glory? Like what... If, if you weren't caught up and just thinking about your sin all the time, now, I tell people this a lot, um, you are thinking about your sin more than Jesus is. The scripture says that he has forgotten. He has been faithful to remove your transgressions, to forget it, um, to forget your sin, which is just an amazing piece of scripture that God has literally forgotten your sin. Uh, you are thinking about your sin. I think about my sin much more than Jesus is. And oftentimes I get so caught up in dwelling in it that I forget that God, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, I'm... <coughs> fighting a freaking cold, man. It won't go away. <laughs> uh, God wants to use you um, despite your sin. We are thinking about our sin a lot more than Jesus is. He's, he's forgotten about it, and we're so stuck re- remembering it that we forget that God wants to use us for some big things. And today I would want to encourage you, like, what kinds of things could you start to dream about? How could God use you? Maybe God wants to use you in such a way that one of your coworkers, he's going to use you. He's going to use you to bring one of his coworkers, your coworkers, to know him. 
Or maybe God would use your family to start to bring bits of heaven down to earth in your little neighborhood. Like, what would it look like for your family to start dreaming that way? Like, what if you led your family? What if you got your family together and said, all right, guys, like, uh, I, I don't know totally what I'm doing. I feel like I'm not the best leader and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm obviously humble and broken and I'm messed up, but I think God wants to use us. I think God wants to use us for his glory. Like, let's dream together. And you had like this brainstorming session with your family. How could you be used? Maybe it's you cook a meal for uh, someone in your neighborhood once a week, once a month, or you make a goal like we want to have six neighbors over for dinner in this next year, or maybe we'll do a big Easter party, or maybe we'll do a big Thanksgiving dinner uh, or pre-Thanksgiving dinner with all of our neighborhood or think Christmas party or whatever it is. Or maybe you throw the best St. Patrick's Day and do like a history lesson on St. Patrick's Day and invite your neighbors over and everyone dresses green and you just start mixing up and, and you become friends with your neighbors. And then God uses your family to bless people, to bring joy and bring heaven to their life. And all of a sudden they want to know about this God that you serve and your family is used by God for his glory. And you get to see somebody enter into the kingdom, somebody enter into faith because of your humility and brokenness and obedience to say, I want to be used by God. What if God called your family to another country? Like, have you ever dreamt about that? What's stopping you? I, their finances and debt, right? Like all the but first that we talk about, talked about a couple weeks ago. All the things we say, ah, you know, there's just too much stuff. I've got too much sin. First, let me kind of clean up my sin problem. First, let me fix my debt or whatever. But what if God used you? Like what if God said, listen, if, if you just listen to me, like if you would just quiet yourselves and start to dream and focus less on your sin, maybe God has big plans for you. And he would say, listen, I want you to move like your family. I want you to move your family family and go to China or go to Africa or go to South America and proclaim my gospel to the poor or to those who haven't heard it yet or go mix it up. I have friends who are in Africa right now. He loves soccer and he just said, I'm going to go to soccer. I'm going to go to Africa and play soccer and use soccer as the vehicle to get into people's lives, to build relationships and then share the gospel with them. And tons and tons of people are coming to know Christ because of soccer in Africa. Like what if God started to use you in the way that you're gifted and wired to start to bring people to his kingdom. Listen, I promise you this, there is nothing more exciting, nothing more exciting than being used, knowing that you're fully broken, knowing that you're jacked up and sinful, and then seeing God use you for his glory. I promise you there's nothing more exciting, not a raise, not a new toy, not a new boat, not a new PlayStation, whatever. There's nothing more exciting than seeing God use you for his kingdom and his glory. I I, I spoke at a uh, conference yesterday in Seattle. And uh, it was, I spoke to a group of guys, and to be totally honest with you, I, I brought my best friend with me, and he was, he, he was telling me it went really well. I didn't feel awesome about it. It's just, it was really hard to read the guys in the room. But one of the guys uh, afterwards came up to me to introduce himself right after I got done talking. He walked right up, and he, he said, hi, I'm so-and-so. He shook my hand, and then he literally turned around and like walked away because he was about to just lose it crying. He 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 literally went over to the corner and just started weeping. And what had happened was that 
the message that I spoke was about God relentlessly pursuing us. And so we relentlessly pursue our kids and our family because we were broken and messed up and jacked up and God didn't give up on us. And so we don't give up on pursuing our family and we're relentless in our pursuit of their hearts, just like God was relentless in the pursuit of our hearts. And that really convicted him. And he was like, the Holy Spirit was working in his life. And I came home and told my wife that story. And she said, how crazy is it that God has been actively working in this guy's life. He knew he knows all the family dynamics. He knows everything that was going on. And he chose you, Jared, like in your brokenness and in your junk, he chose you to be the mouthpiece to recapture that guy's heart. And I just got to be used as a tool. Like I just, I don't, you know, I, I happened to say yes to go to this conference. I happened to drive here. I happened to speak at that session where that this guy attended and everything worked out, which would seem coincidental, but was clearly God orchestrated. And God used me in this message to bring this guy back to him. Like what, what would it look like? How crazy would it be for God to use you to, for you just to say, listen, I know God, I'm, I'm broken, jacked up, sinful dude, but I'm also so grateful for your grace. And I don't want to live in my sin or in wallow in my sin anymore. I want to be used for you to see crazy things happen for your glory. I want to see my coworkers come to know Christ or my neighbors, or I want to be used by you to go to another country maybe and to serve with my family. I don't know what it would look like, but I want you to start dreaming about what it would be like to see God use you in radical ways. And for some of you, it means uh, he would use you in radical ways to bring the kingdom of heaven into onto earth in your very home. Like maybe there's just something radical that he wants to do in your house to restore your marriage, to restore a relationship with your kids. Uh, maybe there's something he wants to do in your neighborhood. Maybe there's like foster kids in your county and there's a huge need for foster parents. And that that even me just saying that kind of tugs at your heart and your stomach just sank a little bit, your heart beat faster because you think I could probably be a foster parent. I'm wired that way. And maybe God wants to use you in the lives of kids who need a dad to show them what it's like to have somebody pursue their heart. Or maybe God's going to use you to adopt, or maybe God's going to send you over across the world to use your gifting um, or to use your humility or your obedience uh, or your ability to speak English or teach English in a way that he's going to use you to bring somebody or multiple people to know him. At the end of the day, what I want you to get out of this podcast, I, I hope my prayer for you is that when this ends, that you will pray And your prayer will look like two things. Number one, you'll have the humility to say, God, I know that I don't deserve to be used because of my brokenness, just like all the men and women in scripture that did not deserve to be used by you, and yet you use them. And God, thank you for your grace, that that would be the first part of your prayer. And the second part of your prayer would be this, God, would you use me in crazy ways to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now listen, God loves to use really broken, messed up people because then you could never say, look at me. Look how awesome I am. Look how obedient I am. Look how disciplined I am. God really used me because I've got all my stuff together. No, God loves to use broken people so he can say, look at who I can use. I can literally use anyone. If I can use this dude, I can use anybody. Um, And God will because he's the one that gets all the glory. I really believe that God saves the worst of us just to show off his grace. 
And no matter how broken or messed up or jacked up you are, right after Peter denied Jesus three times, right after that, Jesus came back after he had resurrected um, and he he had an encounter with Peter. And immediately he asked Peter three questions. Same question three times. Do you love me? Peter says, yes. He says, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, Jesus, I love you. Jesus says, do you really love me, Peter? And Peter says, you know all things, God. You know I love you. And Jesus says, then go take care of my sheep. Jesus invites him back into ministry right after he had just denied him, that he even knew him. And what was the prerequisite for being used by God? It was that he loved him. God is not looking for you to have your life together, to have everything put together and to look neat and to have all your sin managed and all figured out and for you to be all out of debt and have your family look all nice and pretty. God is looking for men who are humble enough to say, I'm broken, but I'm rejoicing in the grace of Jesus Christ. And I love Jesus and I want to be used by him. I pray that you stop listening to this podcast now and that you would pray. Thank God for his grace and begin to dream about how he could use you for his kingdom and for his glory. I love you guys. Thanks for listening.